Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacy LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Rachel Geller. Dr. Geller is the vice president of the Gifford Cat Shelter. Rachel is also on the board of directors of the Marcus Maurice Foundation, which provides care and comfort for homeless homeless and abused cats. She is an instructor for the Humane Society of the United States on Cat Behavior and Retention and is a cat behavior counselor. In addition, Rachel is a member of the Association of Professional Humane Educators. Rachel is also the instructor for the webinar series, Activities for Inclusion, which focuses on bringing special needs students into animal shelters as volunteers. Rachel is very involved in advocacy issues and caring for the vulnerable, whether this involves animals or people. She authored a state law, an Act Protecting Nursing Home Residents, which was signed by Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick in 2010. Both the House of Representatives and the Senate honored Rachel with special citations for improving the lives of countless Massachusetts seniors. Currently, she is working on legislation to protect elderly from financial exploitation. An avid sports enthusiast, Rachel enjoys running, golfing, and attending Red Sox games. She has run and finished 11 marathons. My legs are aching just thinking about that. For 20 years, Rachel was the behavioral specialist in the Waltham Public Schools. She has two main coon cats to whom she is unhealthily attached. Both of her cats were not only shelter rescue cats, but were ferals. Rachel spent hours every day domesticating them for three months and has been ritually rewarded with two of the most affectionate and loving cats. Well, Rachel, welcome to the show and thank you so much for rescuing those two main coons. Thank you for having me on your show. And my two main coons are the loves of my life. <laughs> and also congratulations on all those marathons. I can't believe you've done 11 of them. That's a testament. My friends always laugh that they wouldn't want to drive from Hopkinton to Boston. <laughs> so tell us, how did you get started with cats and getting involved in being aware of community cats? Well, I began getting involved with cats as a volunteer at the Gifford Cat Shelter. If you want to go way back, I grew up with four cats and two dogs, and I was the type of kid who always found every stray and had to bring them home and incorporate them into my family. But in recent history, I became involved with the Gifford Cat Shelter as a volunteer and was one of those people that really felt like I found my niche and got more and more involved and was then asked to be on the board and accepted. And a few years later, I was then asked to be an officer. Um, basically, I was asked to be the vice president of the board, which I happily accepted as well. And from there, I think just becoming more and more involved, educating myself, getting out there in the community. I've just seen and been aware of more of the problems involving community cats, just felt like it was my moral obligation to do whatever I could to help those cats. When you uh, started volunteering for Gifford, did you help out in the, the shelter or did you work with trapping cats or how was your involvement? I helped out in the shelter, helped with feeding, taking care of the cats. 
I was very interested in socializing the cat. So I did a lot of that. I also helped with donations, not only donating myself, but um, hitting up my friends for donations, bringing in blankets, comforters, things the shelter needed. So those were my early days of involvement. And then uh, you got more and more involved in the behavior side. And you had mentioned in our our pre-show conversation that there's a, a cat behavior and retention program at Gifford. Was that something that you helped set up and establish? Yes. I'm, as you read in my bio, I've, I ran a program for behaviorally disordered kids and I guess it kind of extended that interest extended to cats as well. So I've always been interested in trying to socialize cats who are fearful, shy, maybe semi-feral. And I did uh, take the program through the Humane Society on cat behavior. And I set up a cat behavior and retention program at Gifford, which I'm very proud of. It helps to keep cats in their homes rather than being surrendered to a shelter. So how does that work? If somebody is having a, a problem with a with a cat in their in their home, say a cat, you know, is spraying or something like that, they call the shelter hotline and they get some assistance from there? Correct. So it actually works on two levels. First on our website, giffordcatshelter.org. I have four informational videos for kind of the most common problems that we receive, litter box issues, things like that. And people can watch the video. But if they need further help for a more in-depth problem, they can call the Gifford Cat Shelter and press the option for uh, the cat behavior help. And I will return that call within 24 hours. And I provide assistance and cat behavior counseling completely free of charge. So people, if they have a cat behavior question, can call Gifford. I will get the message. It actually rings directly to my cell phone and I get back to everybody within 24 hours. Wow, that's wonderful. Thank you for, for doing that. It's a tremendous gift to the community. When I knew we were going to speak speak today, I and many people who uh, follow the show and know me personally, they know I have a cat named Hooch. Uh, many people have seen his picture um, floating around on the internet. And um, and I have another cat to Misha, uh, who's a, a semi-feral. Both cats tend to be pretty nocturnal. So I thought while I, while I have the doctor on the call, I would ask, I have the problem of my my cat's not letting me sleep all night long. They will scratch at my door at anywhere between one and three in the morning until they know they're going to get me up. So I was wondering if you might have some advice on on how to resolve the issue and get Hooch to sleep through the night. (laughs) All right, Hooch, let's see what we can do. In general, I actually get this question a lot. And if you think about the way our lives work, most of us are gone all day. We're at work. We're busy during the day. So our cats are at home napping all day long. And then we come home after a long day of work. And perhaps the only attention we really give the cat is petting the cat, letting the cat sit in our lap, stroking the cat. And all this is great, but the cat's not really getting the opportunity to release any of his or her pent up energy and tension that maybe has been building all day while this cat is napping. And then as we're falling asleep in front of the TV, your cat is revving up and wants more and more. And hence the late night wake up. So what can we do? Um, the first thing I would I would recommend is a really, really great interactive play therapy session with a fishing pole type toy 
before bedtime and not an hour before bedtime, but literally 10 or 15 minutes right before your bedtime and really have a great interactive play session. Make sure your cat gets multiple captures because it's the capture part that will make your cat feel really like a grand hunter and and will provide that relaxation and releasing of tension. So provide multiple captures for the cat, really get your cat going. And then at the end of the interactive play session, say like 15 or 20 minutes, start to wind down as if the prey is, you know, maybe hurt or injured. Let your cat have a great final capture with this prey. Perhaps uh, give Hooch a little treat at this point to reinforce that idea of the hunt because getting that cat into prey drive mode really is very positive. And if we reinforce with a little treat at the end, then right before bed, Hooch has let out all of that energy that's been building up all day. He feels relaxed because he's had this great accomplishment and that would really help him sleep through the night. The other thing you can do is buy puzzle feeders for Hooch. We want him to be actively involved. And instead of focusing all night long on the fact that you're sleeping and not with him, we want him to use his brain and his body to keep himself busy. So if you could set out some puzzle feeders at night, that will really keep him busy and entice him to play and get the treat from the puzzle feeders. Even something like an empty Kleenex box with a ball inside of it can provide a way for him to have environmental enrichment and stimulation while you're sleeping. And the last suggestion I would make is think of creating signs of life in your house even while you're asleep. So maybe in another room, have a radio going softly or even some lights on timers. So he doesn't feel that you are really, quote unquote, away from him. He, he feels like you're still around. So that's kind of the short, abridged version of helping you sleep through the night and helping Hooch stay interested during the night. Thank you for all those great tips. Um, we actually have uh, cat dancer toys, which I've always been a great fan of them. They're the piano wire toys. Um, That's one of the best toys. I think that is one terrific toy. It's amazing how simple a toy can be. Uh, but you take a little wire and you take a little like rolled up newspaper, it, it looks like, and it makes a great toy. The other interesting thing that I have with Hooch, though, is if when I go out of town uh, and my husband's in the bedroom alone, he never scratches at the door on those nights. You know, something in there where he knows that maybe he can break me down maybe faster than he can my husband. I don't know. Well, he's probably has a little more separation and anxiety with you as well. And part of the behavior process is if you're going to provide him with other types of enrichment, you have to be really, really good about you not being the enrichment. You have to kind of stick to your plan too, but make something else just as exciting as you on the other side of that door. So it's probably a combination of both things. Yeah. I mean, when my my children were little, this was a tough problem with my children too. So I have a feeling it's sort of the same kind of path. Yes. So, but thank you for the advice. And the puzzle feeders is something that I don't have in my house. Save them for just when you go to sleep. So it becomes... Hooch's nighttime ritual that it's puzzle feeder time when you go to bed. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide and seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash Reveal Wild. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Gifford Shelter and what they do? 
The Gifford Cat Shelter is actually the oldest cageless, no-kill animal shelter in the entire United States. We have been there since 1884, and we're still going strong. So our main mission is to rehome homeless cats. But in that process, we also have a socialization program where we work with our very fearful, shy, and semi-feral cats. And we also have an FIV room, and we also adopt out FIV cats. And I believe your FIV adoption program has been has been quite successful. Um, how, do you have a uh, policy or a protocol with regards to adopting out FIV cats into homes with negative cats? We really do that on an individualized basis. It really depends on the resident cat and and how if that cat really likes or dislikes cats and the introduction process that the people are willing to go through because. Clearly, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast know that the risk of transmission is very, very, very low and really only through deep bite wounds. So if we can talk this through with people, educate people about adopting an FIV cat, this is something that we can process with that person. And we, I think one of the reasons our adoption rates for FIV cats um, are so high is that we do do an excellent job of educating the people on what exactly FIV is and differentiating it from other diseases people may have heard of that are much more serious than FIV. So knowing that the Gifford shelter has been in existence for quite a long time, and I know you haven't been with the shelter for <laughs> all of those not. years, but <laughs> but um, you know Brighton is very close to Boston. Um, it's you're in a pretty urban area, and you know, over the years, how have you seen things change for community cats? I feel as if the problem of stray cats is getting better. From our vantage point, we find that there will be times that there are not as many stray cats in the area and maybe our shelter won't be as full. Having said that, if we get into that situation, we always reach out to other area shelters in Massachusetts because we are very willingly to help out other shelters who may have too many cats. Even within Massachusetts, we find that at a particular time of the year, there aren't cats available. Gifford Cat Shelter, and I'm very proud of this because this is a program that I set up, is also a New Hope partner. And that means that we can pull cats from the New York City shelters, which do euthanize cats, probably 45, somewhere between 25 to 65 cats every single day. Their stray cat problem is much more severe than ours. So it does seem that in Massachusetts, people are are more educated and the problem is getting better. We will then reach out to other Massachusetts shelters and then we will then reach out to New York shelters. So we try to keep our shelter full and to capacity as much as possible. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about that cat behavior and retention program that you have at Gifford. And if there is an organization that is listening um, to this podcast and would be interested in learning how to implement that program in their own organization, would that be something that Gifford would be willing to do? Yes. So I am very happy to talk with anybody personally, but I also did a webinar with the Humane Society um, called Starting Small and Getting Big. And it was all about how any shelter, whether you're small, medium, or large, can institute a cat behavior and retention program in their shelters. And that webinar is archived on the Humane Society website. 
So anybody can click on that link and watch that webinar. It's free and it's an hour long. So I'd highly suggest that. But I am 100% available, willing, and happy to help anybody who'd like um, any assistance in setting up a cat behavior and retention program. I feel really strongly about keeping cats in their homes. And if we can keep a cat who has a solvable, fixable behavior problem in that home, it's better for the person, it's better for the cat, and we can use that spot in a shelter to to help a cat who really does not have a home. A, A side component that it's not regarding behavior, but another side component in the challenges with retention is pet policies with regards to rental, you know, apartments and that kind of thing. Um, Do you have any experience in that arena? Yes. Oftentimes I find that if we speak with the landlords directly and explain cat behavior to them, we can some we can sometimes get places with letting them at least have a renter adopt one cat. I think people are under the impression that cats are going to scratch up all the walls and the furniture. And usually when I explain, you know, if the renter has a scratching post, that is not going to happen. And uh, cats don't need to be walked. They don't bark. So usually if we kind of educate the landlords, if they're willing to talk to us, we have had success with that. And then you have also worked with uh, with seniors um, as well as um, special needs folks in the community. Uh, do you want to share some of the thoughts about your programs for cats as well as with seniors and special needs? Yes, that would be great. So I just actually launched a program with an organization called APHE, which is the Associ- Association of Professional Humane Educators. And the program is called Activities for Inclusion. And what I am doing is helping shelters bring in special needs kids as volunteers. And I'm particularly focusing on on special needs volunteers who have social emotional issues and educational issues such as ADD and ADHD. The reason for that is that this population is actually at the highest risk for becoming animal abusers. Because this population typically has low self-esteem. They're unable to focus. They never feel independent. They're always being helped. This is a population that may in turn act out on an animal because that they feel that an animal is even more lower status than they are. It seems counterintuitive. Why would you want these kids in shelters? But by bringing these kids in shelters and having them learn that animals are, are living beings and having them develop empathy for animals through caring for them, helping them, working with them, we can actually prevent animal abuse from happening with this population in the future. So I'm really working hard to bring these programs into shelters throughout the country. I think it's really, really an important moral obligation um, for us to try and do. And with the seniors, I've been involved with nursing home advocacy for a long time. It all started because I was a legal guardian for my aunt who had Alzheimer's disease. And my next project, which is on the docket, but I haven't uh, begun it yet, is to work on getting older cats, senior cats, placement into nursing homes, because there's so much research on the therapeutic value of cats to people in nursing homes. And these are the cats that we have the most problem adopting out. So it's a win-win situation. The seniors feel better, the seniors receive comfort, and the senior cat gets a home. 
So that's my next project. Sounds like you have a pretty full plate. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> now that I say it out loud. <laughs> uh, if you saw a stray cat on the street, what would you do? If I saw a stray cat on the street for myself personally, I would contact one of the many trappers who I know through Gifford and try to save that save that cat, find out if the cat is microchipped and, and if so, return it to the owner. If I was just a regular person and I didn't know what to do, I would suggest calling your, your local um, police because they will know what to do. Or if there's an animal control officer in your community, they would know what to do. And even um, most local vets would be able to point you in the right direction of how to save that cat. I find um, most local vets and even um, Angel Memorial will guide you through that process as well. How could people find you if they wanted to contact you directly? Anybody is uh, free to call me through the Gifford Cat Shelter. And if you go on our website, you can see how you can access that voicemail system. And I think I'm option number five. But anybody can also email me directly, and I'm more than happy to follow through and answer any questions. My email is rachelsg at aol.com, R-A-C-H-E-L, S as in sunshine, G as in good, at aol.com. Thank you, Rachel. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today? I just wish everybody a perfect day. Oh, thank you so much. And I really hope with today's show, listening to Rachel and all of her accomplishments, that you too really feel like you can make a difference for the cats in your community. There are so many different ways that we can help cats and you don't have to do it all. You don't have to be everything to everybody, but you can definitely find your place. And I would hope that you would all consider just doing your little part to help the community cats. Rachel, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I look forward to having you again soon. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review, and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 